Hello and welcome to Clamp, the weekly podcast where we discuss all things related to creating, living, and making projects. I'm your host, Morley Kurt. Joining me as always is Adam Mackey. And before we dive into the episode, we wanted to do a quick Clamp Challenge update. As we are nearing the home stretch of the challenge, we're starting to get some official entries. I think today alone, we got two. The first one I saw was wild. Ethan Carter did like the most complicated clamp build. Um, And I had to watch it a few times to see all the things that he did. So it was, he took a clamp, cast silicone around it, used the silicone mold to pour epoxy in with leather mixed in, wrapped that in leather and then stitched it. And I think there was a few other things. And I'm, I'm actually pretty blown away that it kind of seems to work. Um, I, he must've captured the threads in his casting, but it, it seemed like so much work for it. And I'm super about it. It's a, it's a pretty awesome entry. So shout out to Ethan for really putting in a lot of work for our challenge. I'm very flattered. The other one I saw coming today was Eve from Projects and Things. I actually almost didn't see his entry. The way the hashtag works and the tagging sometimes, like it's easy to just miss a post. But when I was reviewing the hashtag, I see that he did his official entry, which is almost impossible to describe out loud because it's, I would call it an art piece. It's a diorama featuring a goose controlling it seems to me to be some sort of like mad scientist contraption. Um, I he, There's some references in there. I think I need to do a bit of like art history research to fully appreciate his entry. But another very cool one. I'm, I'm really appreciating how people are really going the full gamut from like silly to art to functional. Um, the, speaking of any of those, I have no idea where Jeff from A Weird Guy is going. He spent... Uh, what seems to be an inordinate <laughs> amount of effort stripping paint from red sea clamps, which really pained me to watch because it looks just like a really elbow grease heavy, annoying process. But I mean, all the power to him for sticking it out. And it seems like he's getting that paint off. But man, at a certain point, are you just going to buy bare metal clamps <laughs> to buy 15 red clamps and have to remove all that paint? That seems like a special kind of hell. I wonder if he feels like it would have been worth getting a sandblaster here. Yeah, I guess that would have, that's probably the most efficient way to do it, right? Is sandblasting. Yeah, I reckon. Um, I didn't see Eve's um, final post. Yeah, it kind of slipped through the cracks. It's, yeah. it's wild. I, I wish I had more time to look at it because there's a lot going on. Um, but we'll, we'll try talking about it more next week. And, and definitely, yeah, definitely in the recap when the challenge is done. Reminder that the challenges finishes up July 31st. That's the deadline to submit. Um, there's still plenty of time, you know, break out your clamps, yeah. break out your creativity. Hopefully the three of us will get our acts together and get our projects. But you know, if we don't, you I don't, don't need think us. I will. Yeah. <laughs> you, the listener are creative and powerful enough to do something awesome. And, and I'm happy that the hashtag is filling up with like inspiration and ideas that um, the community is kind of self-sustaining in that way. We have some amazing prizes too. Yeah. And speaking some, of um, amazing prizes. Cool clamps too. This is some cool mallets. Speaking of, yeah, we have one of the makers of one of the prizes or two of them, I guess, or three, two, three. I don't know. Uh, Mark Daner from Daner Made. What's up, Mark? G'day. How are you? I'm going well. Yeah, guys. Good, good. G'day. <laughs> I never say g'day. Sorry, mate. I thought I'd ham it up. Wait. We have a real Aussie on today. (laughs) Adam and Grant were going full Aussie in the pre-show, just talking about like the most esoteric Australian things. And I I felt very out of place, but you know, usually it's two Canadians and one Australian. So Adam, I'm happy you have, you have someone for you today. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited to see where this will go. Cause I know that Mark is definitely more Aussie than me. So (laughs) I do, I do bang it on a little bit because I'm well, – well, I am from North Queensland, so – which we do talk a little bit well, slower. exactly. <laughs> I'm glad you said it. So, Mark, uh, for the people who might not know who you are, do you want to give a little introduction? 
Yeah, mate. Um, my name's Mark Dana, and I run a little backyard shed operation, which I now call Dana Made, and I've been at that for about five years. Um, so about five years ago, I was heavily into mountain biking as my sort of hobby, and then I wanted something else to do. Um, my brother had been making a lot of pallet wood furniture just in his garage, and I sort of saw what that was doing for him and how much he was enjoying it, and it sort of prompted me to maybe bust out the tools that I had lying around the shed. Um, so I went and found some pallets, pulled them apart and planed them off and started to have a look at them and realised that they can actually scrub up pretty easily. Um, and from there, pretty much from day one, I, I thought I'll just build a workbench to maybe learn a few things, um, see what I need, see if this is going to be something I'm interested in at all. Uh, and I thought I'll, I want a chunky bench, so I'm going to have to glue some of these pallets together to to get like a 4 by 4 or 100 mil by 100 mil chunk of wood. Uh, did that, planed the edge off, and straight away sort of fell in love with the side grain of the pallets. So it was pretty much from there that that was the basis that most of my furniture um, would have that feature in it. So I'm not... I'm not a big fan of nail holes and the rustic look, although I've done a lot of that sort of stuff. That side grain, end grain of all the different colours of wood, that was sort of my thing at the time and it's something I still love now and I still use in a lot of my projects. I was saying in the pre-show I uh, started work on I've, I've done like one pallet project in the past. It was super janky. It's not even worth mentioning. But I started my like first real pallet project today. I was telling Mark and I feel like I had the exact same um, like internal thought progression that you just described. I was thinking about like highlighting the nail holes and then I turned the pallets on their sides and stacked them all together. And I was like, Ooh, this is really cool. And then the thing that really took it to the next level was I ripped them in half and then book matched the ends. And that looks sick because there's some cool knots and things going on. Yeah, man. There, I mean, there are so many hidden treasures and pallets will cop a lot of flack um, and I've, I've copped a lot of flack and it's sometimes when my videos have actually been shared by other reshare sites and then I go into the comments there and I absolutely get belted and <laughs> so I, I steer clear of those now. So um, I, I, I still like using pallets and I have a pretty good following of people that like that sort of woodwork because I think it's the most accessible. Like they're, they're literally lying around everywhere um, it's not a case of you shouldn't be using them because they are recyclable. They are literally getting thrown in the dump. Um, and I've I've been on jobs where I've flown over and I've seen mountains of pallets. So these things are literally going to get bulldozed, burnt, um, or end up in a hole. So if, if pallets have been putting out to pasture by a business or a company out the back, take them, check them out, make sure they are safe to use, and just pull them apart and have a bit of a go. I think it's probably the best way to to get into woodwork without spending any money. Definitely I, is. I, I've I've worked with pallets a lot, and I, I've got to say that people that stick with it, especially also um, with you, Mark, with working with skateboards and stuff too. Like there is a lot more work that goes into getting the wood ready for use, and it pays off in the end. But I personally just can't justify the time. But I, I think um, like people that people that work with pallets and and can understand the beauty of them, definitely it's, it's worth the, it's worth the effort. I'm just curious, and I know you just said that you don't like reading those comments, but what what flack do you catch other than the fact of you're killing yourself with methyl bromide? No, oh, there there is a lot of that. Um, I've, it's, it's actually been a long time since I've dug in and, and looked at them. Um, but then you also, if it's a, especially if it's a project where you, oh, I built a, like a kitchen island bench and then I just copped all these and, and they posted it as a DIY kitchen island bench. So but then I just copped the usual flack of, yeah, you've got $20,000 worth of tools in your shed. It's not like <laughs> And I'm like, oh, I wish I had $20,000 worth of tools. That yeah. Weird. But it. If people only see what they want to see in that very moment, um, like Definitely. now I'm five years into this, I've, 
I'm going to have a collection of tools that I want to use um, and I'm not playing it off as I built this kitchen island with a hammer and a tenon saw. You know, I, I clearly have used all these things to make it. I think it's crazy when you like comments like that, people like, oh, if I had $20,000 worth of tools, they just think that you magically got $20,000 worth of tools. They don't see like, I, I've probably got like, I don't know, ten dollars to $15,000 worth of tools downstairs, but I didn't buy it all at once. I've, I've been buying tools since I was 10 years old. I mean, I've built my collection over the last 20 odd years. You know, it's not... I don't know. It's people like that that, you know, if that's the attitude you want to have, then you need to start to buy a drill and the next time you need it, buy the next one. Yeah, that's exactly right. And it's, I've actually been thinking about putting a video together now, five years in, of how I got started. And it is, it is going to be just that I'm going to try and show people exactly what I did um, and maybe introduce some jigs that I probably should have made early on to make the game even more accessible before you yeah. lay down for a table saw or even a miter saw, um, the very much the basics. So um, I think uh, thinking about what my audience likes to see, which I'm starting to really get told without um, – uh, sorry, I've been I've been slowly getting all my video, videos onto Facebook. I want to build up um, my catalogue over there because there is a definite – chance to get monetized on Facebook and although you hear a lot of people saying Facebook is dead there is a lot of cashiola to be made by getting your library onto Facebook as well um, yeah, you don't definitely. have to spend all your time there but you need to put in the effort and the hours that you do for YouTube um, to try and build up that revenue stream as well it's a it's a longer road to get there but um, I've made the video anyway so I want to try and try and push that to pick up those coins as well. Um, so I've got all my new videos, but I've also got this back catalogue of all these pallet projects and I they're not the greatest. So I'm, I'm recutting them and just putting them with music. And whenever I put one of those up, I get the most comments, the most interaction, it gets shared the most. Um, that's what people want to see and want to see how I make it. And I think that's what I've always done is just show people what I'm doing, how I'm doing it. And I think that's why... I've had a little bit of success. So when you were making those first pallet projects, you were known as the pallet punter. And then what caused you to, to shift names and shift branding? Um, so I guess initially pallet punter was a little bit of a joke. So uh, when I was in the army, the, the, to be called a punter could be either a term of endearment or it could mean you're, you're a bit of a dickhead. So um, but it just became one of those expressions where you would that you would use without having to use a swear word, for example. Um, so, but then it was also a bit of a play on words. I'm just I'm just having a bit of a go. I'm having a punt. I'm seeing where this is going to go. So, I, I ran with that for a, a couple of years, and um, then I started using other materials. I found the beauty of recycled hardwood from old houses. Um, and it was a very much a case of this is this is amazing. Like I've never played with timber like this. Um, and then I had the same thing when I got hold of some broken skateboards, uh, cleaned those up, laminated those together. And when I when I cut one of those for the first time and saw all that colour, again I was like, oh, I'm in I'm in love with these materials. So it's very much a case of I'm not just going to use pallets. Um, I don't really want to paint myself in a corner and just be known as the dude that uses pallets. Um, I want to use a variety of recycled timbers. That's not going to to change. Um, but I also wanted something that was just a little bit more serious um, and I didn't want also people just to scroll past because they saw the name Pallet. Um I think just changing my name started to legitimize what I was doing a little bit as well. I honestly completely forgot we had a topic for today because we we're just talking so much. Um, but I can 100% agree. Like I'm the same with why I changed my name is because I didn't want people to come to my page expecting only woodworking because my original name was the Garage Woodworker. And I'm, I, as much as I liked the name and my wife tried me to keep 
tried to make me keep it like that. I don't want to be limited to only woodworking. I don't want people to come to my page. Like I was talking in the pre-show about the thing I need to make for the Ranger and it's going to be all metal. There won't be any wood at all. And if I didn't change my name, I, I wouldn't feel comfortable putting it out. But Molly, um, you changed your name too. Yeah. I feel like it's funny. I feel like in a way there's, there's not much to say about my name change. It was the, the fact of the matter was I had, I made Yelron blog when I was working a research position one summer and I had a bunch of extra time and I had an idea of some articles I wanted to write. So I made a website and I spelled my name backwards and added blog to the end. And I thought it was cool because my favorite parkour team store, their full name was store blog. Um, so I was kind of like copying their model, which I thought was really cool. And, um, at a certain point it was like, no one knows what this means, why it's not a blog anymore. I'm making videos. And so it's, and then, you know, we talked to Jimmy Duresta and he was confused by that name. And I was like, okay, yeah, it's just going to be my name. And yeah, I haven't looked back. I, I love just having my channel be my name because, that's kind of what it's all about at the end of the day is just like stuff that I am doing and it, it doesn't feel like it pigeonholes me in any way. And I think all of my favorite creators for the most part, uh, that's kind of what they do is they, they make things that are based on their personality. Yeah. So many channels now are just people's names, even non maker related. I mean, and it helps that just by virtue of having a Google account, you get a YouTube channel with your name. So if you're starting from, you know, the most common barrier or uh, most common entry path, which is just having that default YouTube account. It already is just called your name. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I definitely agree. I, when I changed my name, um, I wanted something that didn't restrict me in what I was going to do in the future, but I also wanted to use my name because what I was doing as well as woodwork was also video creation. It was becoming more about me, doing things um so i thought i'm going to get it make it a little bit more serious but i want it to represent me and my family and all that sort of good thing um so i went with dana um and then i went through the whole list of what do you add as your second word dana makes dana this dana that i didn't want one that was the same as anyone else i ended i settled on design which i armed and armed with for a long time because i follow Wobi design um but i like I did like the word design as opposed to designs because I don't, I'm not designing anything. It's just what happens in my shed and pops out the other side. That that's a product of me. That is the design. Um, I, I say only stuck with that for about just shy of 12 months because again, I don't think it actually represented me very well. And I actually thought it was a little bit, I, I, I thought I sounded like a bit of a wanker. So I thought, I don't like this anymore. I'm going to, I'm going to get rid of it. So I went, I went through that whole process again. I wanted to stick with Dana. Um, my nickname's Danesy, but I didn't, I didn't want that. Putting it to my nickname again, reduces it to just me. So future proofing it. Um, I want it to be a name that could involve other people if it, if it really had to. So again, I went through all those names and then I, Dana made popped into my head which it's a little bit of a play on Australia made. Um, but it also sort of stems back to so my, when my dad would make stuff for the house out of necessity, um, it was not fine furniture by, by any means. It was, again, using what he could get hold of, uh, even if it was a crappy old chipboard, he would paint it, clean it up, and it would be some furniture for my brother and myself in our rooms or whatever, and it, it served the purpose. But it definitely had that Dana trademark about it which which i love which means you can do some little dodgy things and get away with them as long as you're happy with it at the end of the day anyway i i settled on that name i went and bought the domain registered a business name again um happy days i then jumped onto instagram <laughs> first post i see is homer made and i just put my hands into my face and went oh no what have i done <laughs> Because he's a good mate via Instagram and I felt like I just totally knocked off his name um, and I'd been following him for about a year. So I sent him a message, explained it all, and he said, mate, it's all good, go for it. Um, 
the good thing now is he has rebranded because he's a he makes large dining tables and pretty nice furniture. So he was home and made. He's now I can't even pronounce it. It's a very it's a acronym of names, but it's Lucent uh, Furniture or something. Like oh yeah, that. yeah, yeah, yeah. nice yeah. furniture type name. Um, but again, he probably went through all those things as well. And I, and I don't know the backstory of Homer made, but when I think Homer, I think sort of Homer Simpson. It's a backyard sort of operation. Uh, now he's got this nice furniture title. It suits his brand, and I don't think he's regrets probably changing his at all. It's thinking, thank you for the future. I think it's the way to go. Hmm. Yeah. Mine is actually a play on the TV show Mr. Maker, which is really? an Australian TV show. Um, I think Art Attack, was Art Attack Australian or American? Uh, I've never I'm heard of that, sure. so I'm assuming it's Australian. Okay. I'm going to say it's Australian. So, well, pretty much Mr. Maker, I'm sure you would have the same thing over there where it's like one guy behind a camera and he has a drawer full of like craft stuff and he'll like glue pieces of cotton to a piece of paper to make a animal shape or something and it's made for like little like little little kids like two to five year olds to do like craft with the tv um and his name was mr maker and i was like oh mackie maker and then decided in the end that making mackie sounded a lot better than mackie maker but i same like i just wanted to have my name as part of my name i didn't want to have my full name because i i don't know i just it didn't really seem to suit what I was trying to do. I still wanted to have that sort of um, name where it kind of explains what I was doing. So people at least knew I wasn't like a blog channel or a vlog channel. I was still making things, but yeah, I'm pretty happy with how it's gone, where it's gone. A fun um, cocktail party question I've been asking people recently is when did brands start, um, naming things descriptively. So to me, it seems like for a long time, brands were either named after the product they made or someone's name. So for example, Ford or Standard Oil or American Steel. And then at a certain point, you have things like haagen which is a made-up word, or Kodak, which is another made-up word, or, you know, like any other of those things. And it seems like, it seems like you know, a long time ago, there weren't many corporations. So people could just call it like standard oil. This is the oil company because there's only one oil company. Um, or they would just name it after their last name. But at a certain point, it's like people had to start coming out with new words and, and new ways of describing their businesses. And I've always felt very lucky in having a unique name in that. And a lot of times I can just refer to myself as just my first name and, that's enough because I actually, I don't know any other Morley's personally. I've met people with a last name Morley. Um, I've met people who said they know someone who's named Morley, but I don't personally know another person named Morley. So for me, it's kind of nice say, in that. Yeah. I was going to say my personal trainer's last name is Morley. Yeah. I, I've met a few people that have it as a last name, but pretty rare these days to meet someone with a first name Morley. Well, you're, you're one of those, um, I wanted to say weird people, but that comes out wrong. That has two first names. Yeah, or two last names, depending on how you look at it. <laughs> True. Yeah. Um, it, it's it's interesting, like talking about like where like names, how they're not really descriptive, how they're more descriptive and stuff now. Um, that podcast that I talk about all the time, the Scrubs one, um, the Fake Doctors, Real Friends. I don't know if they ever did it because I'm three seasons behind where they're currently up to, but they're talking about bringing out a liquor brand because apparently all famous people bring out like whiskey or something eventually. And they wanted to name it a day issue because that's Donald Faison's middle name. And there's like, um, apparently Zach has like this jingle that he sings to him all the time. And they're like, it's a perfect jingle for the brand and stuff. And then Zach, on I think yesterday's or the episode I listened to yesterday, he like, but no one knows what that means, so we can't name it that because no one knows what a day issue means. But how hmm. many brands out there have a random word that you don't know what it means? Yeah, there was that there was that trend for a while for like tech companies to have a a, a word, a single syllable word, and then you replace one word with a Y, like Lyft or Aqua. You know those like trendy yeah. kind of 
single word or Uber single word uh, company names. So, you know, it's, I think, I mean, a brand has to be recognizable. Number one, people have to like recognize it as something. And there's, I think a million ways to do that. It can be descriptive or it can just be a made up word or it can be someone's name, but there's a whole lot in saying that you get Mark. Okay. Yeah. I was going to say, I wonder if it was because the internet coming along, but then when you mentioned Kodak, that was well before internet. So I'm, I'm wondering if it was more when TV came along and you started seeing brands visually as opposed to just hearing them over the radio so you could hear a name and make associations. But once they started realising the power of visual branding, um, I guess maybe real estate started to come into play. So smaller one-word brand names may become more popular from that point. Um, But then I think along comes the internet and then you've got all the random names, I think, with letter replacements and all that sort of stuff. Maybe that was more because you couldn't get your domain or someone had already bought it or you needed to stand out in some other way. So a bit of rando spelling might have just done the job for you or clever or clever spelling, play on words spelling. So yeah. I just Googled the most recognizable brands in the world. So maybe this will provide some fodder for our conversations as of right now the top 10 most recognizable recognizable brands worldwide probably in the english-speaking world are apple Mm -hmm. google Mm -hmm. amazon Mm -hmm. microsoft coca-cola samsung toyota mercedes-benz mcdonald's and disney so a lot of those are just people's names um Disney, McDonald's. I don't know about Mercedes Benz. I'm assuming it is, and maybe Toyota and Samsung. It, it's. Um, I didn't think you were going to say Macca's for a minute. I was like, that's if that's not on the list, the list is wrong. But yeah, it, it's the thing is like with brands like that. You like you said before that like a brand needs to be recognizable, but it wasn't when it first came out. Like what the like what does Microsoft mean? Who knew that when it first came out? No one, but now yeah. Microsoft is a household word or a household brand. Whereas, well, yeah, Microsoft. First, I feel like Microsoft is kind of similar to Coca Cola in that Coca Cola is named after the coca leaf and the cola leaf, which are the two main plants that made up the original Coca Cola. Microsoft is like microprocessor plus software. It's they're just kind of portmanteaus of two words. Yeah, but well, even like Toyota and stuff like that, like even Ford, even something that is after someone's name or descriptive, it's not an instantly recognizable brand. Like like that, those right. brands have worked up that recogniz- recognizability, is that a word, for years, yeah. like hundreds of years. You, you know what I mean? Like that when, I, when I first rebranded, I did so much research into what I should be doing to make my brand recognizable. And one of the biggest things was with a logo is you want something so simple that as soon as someone sees it, they know what it is. Like you see the golden arches, you know it's Maccas. You see a Toyota logo, you know it's Toyota. Whereas if you have an all complicated logo that doesn't stand out, people are going to look at it and they're not going to remember it. If, it, if it's too much to process at once. Which is ironic because there are those like trends of certain types of logos, like the, the hipster coffee shop arrow, the hipster coffee shop logo with like two crossed arrows and very light lines where you, at a certain point you can almost just like generate them online. I feel like there's a lot of like woodwork artisan woodworking shops that also follow that. I have no idea yeah. what you're talking about. I'll, I'll try to find one and send one to the chat. Um, right. <laughs> Mark Stani, I feel like he might know what I'm talking about. Matt. <laughs> no? no? Okay. I'll, I'll find but, one but on my see, phone like you, while you guys you, are talking. And that, that was one of the things, though. You look at all the big brands and how simple their logos are. Like Microsoft is literally a like, – or not Microsoft, Windows is literally a window. Yeah. Toyota is literally a T in a circle. Macca's is literally an M. Like they're, they're so, you know, even if you go a bit more complicated and say like Intel, it's literally just the word Intel on a black, on a blue background. Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But see, the thing is though, that how many people have a logo that looks like that, that you, you don't see that and instantly recognize one person. You have That's to read saying. the logo. It's like, it's yeah. cannibalized itself. 
it's not a recognizable for a single business. It's become like a meme. Yeah. See, with, with your logo, for instance, so you've got a little bit of that, but you have the hand and the hand is your recognizable logo. So, yes, yes, people need to read it at first to say, oh, yeah, that's Morley Kurt. But that hand can be that recognizable part where as soon as they see that hand, they know who it is. Yeah. And it's – I'm, I'm figuring out where that lies in my focus because like because my focus now is on making YouTube videos, I don't feel like it's important to really include that anywhere in my videos uh, personally just because of, of what I'm making, what I see people doing on YouTube. It's like it's more about the content than it is about having 100%. a recognizable logo for me. It's – yeah, I don't know. I don't the logo know is more for if you – the logo is more for if you're trying to expand out into like manufacturing and that sort of stuff. Like say for instance, True. you brought out the 3d printing t-shirts and stuff. Just having that little hand somewhere is making it your brand, your design. And, you know, eventually when you're big enough, people will just see that little hand and know who it is. You see a little, you see like a little blue and a little blue, um, what it wolf or whatever it is with a, lightning bolt on the side instantly you think mr beast Mm -hmm. you know whereas whereas if his name if it was his name mr beast people be like oh who's that or if it was a bit more complicated and that the hand is it is unique and it can mean so many different things as well but in essence you're you're making things you're diying you're doing it yourself um how many like I, i don't think i could name anyone else with a hand as their logo, so to me, it it is unique. Like when I thought about logos, um, and you're a woodworker, how many woodworkers have a circular saw around their name as the as the circle or um, or a very obvious tool? So um, when I yeah. designed my logo, I did not want basically anything that um, someone else had. I think the little tool that I, is I can't remember if it's that obvious anymore, but there's a little square in in my name um but again that sort of stemmed from the stupidity i used to do with checking square um it came with a little bit of a slogan of mine as well so um, as well as my branding of my name i've got this little slogan which people now throw around in their own videos and it's almost a little wink to me which i think is pretty cool especially in the aussie maker community um they yeah. throw out a little check square yeah, definitely you now the bloke yeah. throws it in his videos all the time he's asked me to record myself saying check square because he just thinks <laughs> he just thinks it's good fun so um with my my logo and the, the name is meant to be the main part which that can be detached off the logo and simplified and used in other ways but yeah um, the part of my logo that i don't even know if people make the connection but the little stand it's sitting on is a it's a slab of pallet wood mm-hmm. um showing that end grain saying this is this is what i like to do so it it got a little special place on the logo yeah definitely yeah, I, I mean I your mean, logo when is i see your logo to me is definitely yeah, i think we're saying the same yeah. thing <laughs> yeah yeah well, I, I actually one thing i have done I don't know how many people have picked up on it on Instagram is I don't have my logo on Instagram anymore. It's literally a picture of my face because I don't want my Instagram to be a brand in a way. I just want my Instagram to be like, if you enjoy my YouTube videos or whatever, you come have a look at my Instagram. Whereas with YouTube, it's more of like trying to brand out in a way of like making people recognize and go, oh, that's a make a Mackie video. I'll click on that. Yeah, I did see the little – it's a little photo of your hair flicked up. But I, yeah. I saw it somewhere else the other day. It wasn't Instagram. Yep. I'm sure it's a profile or um, – but that's It was my profile. Yeah, it's my profile for making making on Facebook as well. But I also have stickers that I got printed, which I have stuck everywhere. I borrowed my mate's <laughs> you a couple of weeks ago, and I put one on the back of his sun visor. And about a week later, he sends me a picture of like, when your mate borrows your car <laughs> – and then um, at the Maker Meetup, did you see James? He made that that stand that said Aussie Maker Group. Yep. I stuck one on the back of that. Oh, no, sorry. At the Maker Meetup. <laughs> yeah. I told him I would. But yeah. So I I'm, like- I'm kind of trying to make that a bit of my brand as too. Yeah. I try to 
have recognizable things in my videos that I feel like for video content kind of end up being just a part of your brand. You know, it's those like visual um, monuments or landmarks that people see, like the think bigger sign when I'm working in here. And one that I hope is not becoming a hallmark of mine is that freaking mattress in the garage that <laughs> I always try to like not film in that direction. Cause I hate the way it looks so bad. It's just so gross, but it's like, you know, it's someone left it there years ago and the landlord hasn't cleared it out yet. And it's such a eyesore. I hate that thing. In case you want to have a heroin addict come over and you just want to make them feel at home. And there's two more <laughs> in the loft above the garage. <laughs> Wow. I I actually, when I watched your video, I was wondering what you thought of the graffiti on the other side of your little street there. Because there's a big graffiti on that. um, Yeah. Our store. Yeah. It's funny. I didn't really notice that until I was actually editing the thumbnail and I was like, oh, someone tagged that. Um, I don't think it's especially attractive graffiti. Uh, It's kind of just like kids messing around ice. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's nothing. Like it's literally just line, but. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, there's like a bunch of graffiti back there. And this funny story is, um, about like a couple months ago, like shortly after I bought the table saw, maybe a month ago, um, I closed my garage door and I noticed that someone had tagged it and it was a very cryptic tag. It was like numbers and then like some word and then another number. And I started getting really paranoid. I was like, is someone casing my garage to to rob it? (laughs) And I actually posted it on like ask Toronto being like, does anyone know this tag? Like is someone marking me to, for someone else to rob later? And everyone's like, man, you're so stupid. Like why would someone, why would someone write on your garage that they're going to rob it? And so I ended up deleting the post because I was so embarrassed. (laughs) I was like looking into security systems and stuff. I almost bought a floodlight, which, you know, wouldn't be a bad idea to have anyway. They want their mattress back. Yeah. <laughs> like, hey, there's a good mattress in here to sleep on. <laughs> Just going back to the, the, the trademarks as well. I've um shooting my videos, I've I've got a like a piece of art I made. It's got Bill and Ted. Um it's basically a mosaic with be excellent to each other. I try and get that in the background of as many videos as possible. Um and Instagram if I'm doing a quick 30 second talk about something. I try and have that in the background just because I love it, but it also paints this picture about what I'm about as well. So um, don't come here if you're dickhead. You're going to be a dickhead to someone else. Like bring a positive attitude. We're all just having a bit of fun, you know, try and lighten up the mood just by seeing that picture in the background. Being that you like Bill and Ted, I'm going to assume that you like Jay and Silent Bob. No, not really. Do they go hand in hand? No? I watched, I watched oh, a few when I was in the younger days, but I, I was never a huge fan of them, though. No, I was wondering if you were excited for Clerks 3. Nah. <laughs> Damn it. The trailer gets well, speak- released. I, just like, I, haven't, I haven't watched them over and over like I have Bill and Ted. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of things we like, I guess before we move on to our clamidations, is there anything else you guys want to talk about on the topic of branding and rebranding? Um, I, no. I think I think the big thing is don't be scared to do it. Um, I when I when I flicked over from being the palette punter to using my name, um, I had a little bit of a decent following on Instagram, and I thought, how's this going to work? Are people just going to punch out? You know. Who does this? Who does he think he is? He's he's the pallet punter. He needs to stay the pallet punter, and I sort of got that from my mates at work because they love the name pallet punter, um, and they they still call me that um, here and there just to poke a bit of fun. Um, but you've got to think about what works best for you, not not what is what other people may or may not like. So I would say, do not be scared to have a go, change it. If it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Um, but I think you'll know yourself that if it's not quite right, move on and start again. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I, like I found that. in my own experience, um, any worries I've had about people leaving because of a branding change or because of, uh, putting out new type of content, for example, or like trying something new that I haven't before, it's never 
resulted in any appreciable amount of people actually leaving. It's always like you get this normal amount of unsubscribers you get from publishing any content because someone sees you on their feed and they're like, eh, I don't need to subscribe to this person anymore. But uh, nothing for me ever that was significant. That being said, it's you know it's impossible to know what the opportunity cost is, right? You're like, well, if I hadn't done that, would I have gained a bunch more people? I don't really know if it's worth thinking that way. Um, but yeah, I think any, anything like that, you're probably overthinking it. You, the listener, if you're scared of, uh, doing any change like that, I was actually thinking about that recently in that I changed my YouTube profile picture a little while ago to, um, just like a picture of my face. And I took some more recent photos and I was like, I like these other photos better, but I feel like I just changed it. Should I wait to change it? And there's probably no reason to even worry about changing it um, because I don't think it, I think people just want to know what you are, know who you are. And as long as you're, I don't know what I'm saying. As long as you're enjoying it, they're like, they're there for it. Totally agree, man. Yeah. All right. Well, before we move on to our clan mendations, I want to give a shout out to, our top supporters on Patreon. Everyone who supports on Patreon gets access to the pre-show and the app show. We had a pretty long pre-show this episode. I think it was a very solid one. Um, and a embossed leather keychain. I actually just finished one up. It's on the desk behind me. And I'd like to give a shout out to our top F-Clamp level supporters. Brent Jarvis from Clean Cut Woodworking. Vincent Ferrari from Because We Make. Austin from The High Caliber Craftsman. And Scott Oram from dad it yourself DIY. Clamendations. Clamendations. Nice. Before you go into Clamendations, I just want to point out that I have a little uh, stick with Morley right now because I've just seen what his Clamendation is. He's yeah. a little thief. <laughs> so in saying that, Morley, what is your Clamendation? Yeah, so... I'm actually kind of sad. So Adam recommended the Ryan Trahan one penny series at least a couple weeks ago, like while he was still doing it, right? Yeah, he had, when the episode dropped, it came out five, he was finishing five days later, I think. So what we recorded four days before that about. So you, yeah, you about a week and a bit left of the series. So I I just started watching it yesterday and so for those who, who don't know this ryan trahan is a youtuber he came out with a series um basically living on one cent for 30 days the premise of the series is that he wants to deliver a penny across the u.s from los angeles to north carolina to bring it to mr beast such a great premise because the u.s mint announced that the penny is going out of circulation and the joke is that mm. mr beast has probably never seen a penny before because he has so much money And he's doing it to raise money for feeding people who are facing uh, food insecurity. And it's, it's, it's great. Um, I started it last night, super great premise. Like the, the premise itself sucked me in, but it's also just like a fantastic daily vlog. He's incredibly positive. All of the ways that he makes money and saves money and the decisions that he makes are like super interesting it kind of reminds me of alone in that way, but it's way more fun because he's actually interacting with people. And I like that he's using yeah, exactly. it as an opportunity to like travel across America and meet people and like have all these cool interactions. He's really like, he's really taking full advantage of this very interesting trip. Yeah. He, um, he actually, he talks about that in one of the final episodes and he just, he is just overwhelmed at how nice people are and how like all the people that he met along the way and stuff. And, I, I can't recommend this series like anymore because I honestly have never cried at a YouTube video. I didn't cry, but the final episode, like I had tears in my eyes. Like it, it was so heartwarming and so um, like just so emotional. And it was, yeah, I mean, I it, he just has a way of making people feel like they're there and they're doing it with him and mm. everyone's just so invested. And I mean, I don't really find many people that I can't, that I'm excited for a new video from, but like every morning I'd open up YouTube and there's a new video. I'm like, Oh yes, let's go. Can't wait to watch this. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. So I, I am a little sad because I feel like watching it in the moment would be a little more exciting and fun. And I'm just like, yeah, it definitely it right was. I think I watched five episodes today and it's, 
it's a bl- yeah. I'm probably going to watch like three more before bed. Well, I, I started watching it when he was about 15 videos in. So I binged the first part and then I was watching day to day and it was definitely a lot better watching it day to day, especially because you couldn't see the thumbnails ahead. So you couldn't really see what was coming up. Um, yeah. Yeah. It sort of gave it away a, a little bit. And like with the great resets and stuff, like it sort of, you could tell when there was a great reset because looking at the thumbnail and the title, you could tell that he had started back at zero. Yeah. I will say like so far, and I know this is going to change. It seems like he's protected himself against the reset, great resets pretty well. Like, I I don't think at least the first one is going to be super impactful, but I'm assuming that they're going to mess him up a little bit as time goes on. Yeah, so there's there's definitely a couple coming up that you I, I know you haven't seen yet and are so unexpected. Like it's just he was not expecting him. So I yes, he's done pretty good at protecting himself, but in saying that, he's protecting himself with like a food voucher. So at least he can eat. But he hasn't really protected himself with like a shelter or anything like that in a way. I mean, oh, where shit. he is now for you, he has. <laughs> All right, I got you. No more, no yeah. more, but I understand no spoilers. Yeah. Yeah. All right, cool. I'm looking forward to finishing it. What about you, Mr. Mackey? Oh yeah. I got to recommend. <laughs> um, I am actually going to recommend a YouTube channel. I found a couple of days ago called car audio fabrication. Um, this guy, Mark, he makes, custom like stereo systems for cars and stuff, but he explains everything so well. And his videos are so well done. Like he's, he has like a voice for radio. Like he's, his voice and everything just sounds, sounds good. He explains everything so well. He talks about like how to aim, where you should aim your speakers in the car and making custom um, like mounts for them. And everything he makes just looks so professional. And, I, it's just inspired me um, to make. I've, I've always wanted to do the sound system in my car because I like I travel to and from work an hour each way every day, so I want a good sound system. And it's really made me realize that I don't want to just make a basic box and just sit it on the floor. Like I actually want to make something that looks good. So I've been binge watching his videos for so long, for, for like the last few days. Nice. So yeah, that's one of the um, items I I have on my list. If, if like if I get a unexpected windfall of money one day that I can just spend on something stupid is like a really nice sound system for my car. Totally unnecessary, but I would really enjoy. When I was 16, I was obsessed with cast it like, like most people were 20 odd years ago, but I, um, I was obsessed with car audio. I thought for sure that was going to be my job the rest of my life. I was planning to start a business of like mobile audio, installing and all that sort of stuff and never really got around to it. But the amount of money I spent when I was younger, like if I had that equipment, that money of equipment now would be amazing. But like everything's so outdated these days. <laughs> but, cool. Yeah. Well, Mr. Daner, what about you? Uh, Roddy, I'm going to recommend a, a woodworking channel. Now, I think this bloke is probably the most un- undersubscribed channel on U- on YouTube. Uh, he's also on Facebook. Um, his name's Ben from Hugh and Orr, and he is unreal. Like his his videos are amazing. His commentary is is brilliant. It's one of the, it's one of those videos that you you'll never tap through it, or you shouldn't. Um, you won't play it at faster speeds. You'll just watch, listen. Um, his woodwork skills are phenomenal, like inspirational stuff. They're the, the type of videos after you finish them, you just want to go out. Oh, I I got to get better. I got to get better using the hand tools and the precision. Um, I, I want to be that good. That's how I sort of feel when I watch his channel. Um, and I've gotten to know him really well um, over time. And we actually we've been messaging we message each other every few days on all sorts of topics. We've sort of both on the same trajectory at the moment where we want to grow our channels and um, build it up so to become more than just a, a side hustle. Um, but he's he's got this amazing catalogue of beautiful furniture. Um, I think if he was an American, he'd probably be a million subscriber channel. But for whatever reason, um, the algorithm is just not loving his action. So 
hopefully this episode will get him a few more subs so he can kick on and become a full-timer. I have to say I'm not surprised. If if anyone that's listening is subscribed to Mark, you will see every second or third day his community post is a share of Hugh and Orr's um, videos. <laughs> and he, he is the bloke so, that likes to throw me in saying check square. So he, yeah. I don't know why he finds it so funny, but I've now started doing it back to him. So I've got a little gif of, a GIF of him now almost in a praying position. So if ever I'm doing anything important, I have him pop up on my shoulder. So it, it's very cool to have people like that in the community that you can sling a bit of shit on. Um, yeah, on the other for side sure. Of it's all good fun. So definitely recommend going check out his videos and tune in and just listen to his commentary. You'll love it. Sick. All right. Well, with that um... – we will have links to wait. No, I'm skipping things. Sorry. I did the same thing last week. <laughs> I'll let, I'll let the Aussies take it over for the next segment. <laughs> well, I, uh, usually we would read a review. If we have any, uh, Molly will read a review in your accent or where you would like him to have an accent from, uh, five-star reviews are obviously the best and get our name out there and definitely push the podcast onto other people. But any reviews we're happy with. Um, usually if we don't have a review, we do my Australian word of the week, but I'm starting to run out of words and Mark is a lot more Aussie than me. So we're going to do Mark's Aussie word of the week and Wally's going to try and guess what it is. All right. Um, I love this segment of the show because to me they always seem really obvious and then Morley and I know, right? have no idea. <laughs> yeah. But I'm just going to precursor that with I think this one may be obvious and I'll explain where I why this one came up just the other day and put it in the context. But um, the Australian word of the week is Thunderbox. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I think about farting when I hear Thunderbox. I don't know, like a porta potty, because it's somewhere where you like it amplifies your poop noises. Yes. Or okay, let me oh, hang on, hang on. I have a, I have a better guess. Okay, a subwoofer. Okay. Is it a subwoofer? Oh no, mate, you were on the right track at first. Oh okay. So yeah, the Thunderbox is basically the dunny, the toilet. Okay. See, he, see, Dunny to cool. us is normal to him. He probably doesn't. Yeah, I have no idea what Dunny means. So, Thunderbox is a bush study. Yeah. If you let me put it into context, that story I was talking earlier about, Morley, with your little um, Instagram grab, um, I was actually sitting on the Thunderbox when I watched that. <laughs> I thought, nice. there's a good word of the week. If they ask me, I'm going to use that. <laughs> I like nice. it. Yeah, never yeah, obvious, it's, the Australian words. Right. It's interesting because I've got like a huge list on my phone of like a dictionary of Aussie, Aussie words and I go through it every week and go, no, nope, they'll know that, no, nope, they'll know that. But they, they don't always know. So it's so obvious to us. It's funny. Okay. Well, with that, I would like to thank TF Turning for our theme music. I would like to thank Mark for coming on. It was a great conversation. I'm excited to continue it in the after show. We will have links to Mark's Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, website, everything in the show notes. He's Daner Made, previously known as Daner Design, and before that, the Palette Punter. Um, yeah, we'll head on over to the after show. See ya. Bye. 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 Bye.